Now, what exactly is Advent all about? How did it start? What are we supposed to do during Advent? Well, the first thing, and it's pretty widely known, probably not telling you anything you don't know, Advent means arrival or coming, from the Latin word adventus. And at first glance, of course, and most obviously, we are preparing for the coming of Christ in the flesh, his birth in Bethlehem. But there are also two other comings or advents that we anticipate, that we joyfully anticipate during the season of Advent. Of course, Christ's birth in the flesh is something that happened in the past, and yet in the life of the church, the feasts of our Lord, we don't just remember them, we relive them. We take on the anticipation of the people of Israel for their Messiah. We take on, say, the, the joy at hearing that the Messiah is coming. But we also anticipate something that has not happened yet, and that is Christ's second coming at the end of time. This is a topic we've touched on in various episodes in the weekly podcast about the end of the world, Judgment Day. This is what we also anticipate as a church. So it's not just that we are pretending to be like the Israelites awaiting the Messiah. We actually are in the same situation. We are awaiting Christ's coming in glory. They were awaiting his coming, and he came in humility. Now we, in this period of history after Christ's ascension into heaven, we as the body of Christ are joyfully and hopefully awaiting his return in glory at the end of time. So we prepare for his coming in the flesh. We prepare for his coming at the end of time in glory. And thirdly, we also celebrate and prepare our souls for Christ's coming in grace into our souls. So that's the third advent that we celebrate. And that's something, of course, that we ought to always be preparing for. But Advent presents us with a a special time of penitence and preparation where we can take account of the state of our soul and make sure that we are always making it a fitting place for our Savior to, to come and to remain. So I mentioned penitence there, and that's one of the first things we need to remember is that Advent, even though most people rush to Christmas as soon as, you know, Halloween is over, or at the latest, as soon as Thanksgiving is over, we ought not to be celebrating like we celebrate at Christmas during Advent. Advent is a time of preparation and penance. That's why we use the liturgical color of violet. It's a color that signifies penance, and most people don't think of it that way. We pretty much celebrate Christmas all during the time of Advent, if anyone even acknowledges the season of Advent, which is becoming more and more rare, we really ought to live by the liturgical seasons of the church. There's a great wisdom proven over millennia to this cycle of penance and feasting. If we glut ourselves with the joy of the Christmas season for like three months, then it really loses its meaning. The day of Christmas, the day where we actually celebrate Christ's birth in the flesh, it really loses its meaning. It just becomes more of a a time of nostalgia and, you know, human traditions. If we really abide by the liturgical seasons and the wisdom of the church, the time of preparation, if we really use it for penance and preparing our souls, then the joy of Christmas is much greater than otherwise. And of course, as hopefully you know, Christmas is the beginning of the Christmas season and it extends for an octave and even up until the epiphany afterwards. So we can still celebrate Christmas for a long time, but we just start, we, we just do it too early and we do it during the time where we ought to be preparing and doing penance. And it robs us of a really profound joy that we ought to have during the entire Christmas season. So meditating on Christ's birth and the wonderful joy that that mystery is, meditating on the last things and Christ coming again in glory and disposing ourselves to receive Christ into our souls, these are all the things that we ought to be doing during Advent. But where did this really start? How did it develop? 
Well, it's a pretty natural thing. Of course, the Christians from the very beginning were celebrating the incarnation of Jesus. It's one of the most central tenets of the early church. You know, St. John in particular emphasizes the incarnation greatly in his gospel and in his New Testament letters. And we know that the first ecumenical council of the church in the fourth century was about the real humanity and divinity of Jesus. That council was all about solemnizing the definition of what the union of humanity and divinity was in Christ. So it's no surprise that it seems that it was around that time, shortly after the Council of Nicaea, that we start seeing explicit references to a season of preparation before the Incarnation. And regarding the day of Christmas, December 25th, I'll talk about that in a weekly episode in the in the general context of all these false claims that Christian holidays and feasts are just taking pagan feasts and Christianizing them, which isn't true. There's plenty of proof that Christ actually was born uh, in late December and most likely on December 25th. But in any case, it's probably due to the Council of Nicaea and this emphasis on recognizing the incarnation for what it was, the the taking of human nature by the second person of the Trinity. For example, in uh, Saragossa in Spain in the late 4th century, about 380, a canon or a, a law of that synod says that from a week before Christmas to the Feast of the Epiphany, these are particularly solemn days and everyone ought to be uh, at Mass and no one can be permitted to miss Mass. St. Maximus, who was in the early 5th century, has two homilies that have the title on the Advent of the Lord. St. Caesarius, who was a bishop as well in the year 500, so again, the early 6th century, talks about a season of preparation before Christ's birth. And in the 6th century, again, we have uh, laws from another synod that say that from November 11th to Christmas, the day of Christmas, Mass should be according to the rite of Lent, so it should be a penitential liturgical season. So again, very early on, uh, we have a lot of testament to this. And when something is present in a, a, a council or a synod like that, it's not a novelty. It usually is just solidifying or cementing something that has been a longer tradition. So that earliest one I talked about in Saragossa in 380, it is most likely referring to a previous tradition, a long-standing tradition, long-standing already by the 4th century of a season of preparation before uh, the birth of Christ and uh, the, the necessity to liturgically celebrate it at Mass for everyone, that everyone needed to be there. One of the earliest sacramentaries or missals, that is the, the book of liturgical texts used by the church called the, the Gelasian Sacramentary, has in it five Sundays of the Advent season. So this is already, again, this is speaking again of an already long-standing liturgical tradition if it was then codified into the official sacramentary or the missal. And then Pope Gregory VII in the 11th century changed it from five Sundays of Advent to four, which is what we do now. And the well-known St. Gregory the Great had homilies in the 6th century, which already notes the, these different Sundays of Advent because he has a sermon for the second Sunday of Advent that we have. So as early as the 4th century, we have a council or a synod talking about the tradition of preparing for Christmas, and this is called Advent very early on, and it's codified in liturgical texts very early on. So most likely, we can say that it was a tradition in the very early church, in apostolic or post-apostolic times, if by the 300s it was already something that was codified into ecclesial law, even if it was just local church law. 
Let me read for you what the church says about Advent and then what some of the saints say about Advent. So in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, we have this beginning at paragraph 522. The coming of God's Son to earth is an event of such immensity that God willed to prepare for it over centuries. He makes everything converge on Christ, all the rituals and sacrifices, figures and symbols of the first covenant. He announces him through the mouths of the prophets who succeeded one another in Israel. Moreover, he awakens in the hearts of the pagans a dim expectation of this coming. St. John the Baptist is the Lord's immediate precursor or forerunner, sent to prepare his way. Prophet of the Most High, John surpasses all the prophets of whom he is the last. He inaugurates the gospel, already from his mother's womb welcomes the coming of Christ, and rejoices in being the friend of the bridegroom, whom he points out as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Going before Jesus in the spirit and power of Elijah, John bears witness to Christ in his preaching, by his baptism of conversion, and through his martyrdom. When the church celebrates the liturgy of Advent each year, she makes present this ancient expectancy of the Messiah. For by sharing in the long preparation for the Savior's first coming, the faithful renew their ardent desire for his second coming. By celebrating the precursor's birth and martyrdom, the church unites herself to his desire. He must increase, but I must decrease. There you see a summary of what we said in the beginning, that here in Advent we are supposed to take on the expectation of all of the centuries of God's people that we read about in the Old Testament and in the beginning of the Gospels, starting with the fall of Adam and Eve all the way up until St. John the Baptist, the most immediate and important precursor of Christ's coming. We're supposed to meditate on that preparation, the, the sadness, the sorrow, but also the expectation and the hope that characterized the life of the people of Israel over those many centuries. And we are supposed to take that on and use it in our own way as the church now to anticipate his second coming in glory. Now, I'll just conclude here with some of the saints. Uh, John Paul II says, quote, The liturgy of Advent helps us to understand fully the value and meaning of the mystery of Christmas. It is not just about commemorating the historical event, which occurred some 2,000 years ago in a little village of Judea. Instead, it is necessary to understand that the whole of our life must be an advent, a vigilant awaiting for the final coming of Christ, to predispose our mind to welcome the Lord who, as we say in the Creed, one day will come to judge the living and the dead. We must learn to recognize him as present in the events of daily life. Therefore, Advent is, so to speak, an intense training that directs us decisively toward him who already came, who will come, and who comes continuously. St. Alphonsus Liguori on the preparation before the coming of Christ Quote, if we would please this divine infant, we too must become children, simple and humble. We must carry to him flowers of virtue, of meekness, of mortification, of charity. We must clasp him in the arms of our love. St. Teresa of Calcutta. At this Christmas, when Christ comes, will he find a warm heart? Mark the season of Advent by loving and serving the others with God's own love and concern. St. Augustine. Quote, Wake up, O human being, for it was for you that God was made man. Rise up and realize it was all for you. Eternal death would have awaited you had he not been born in time. Never would you be freed from your sinful flesh had he not taken to himself the likeness of sinful flesh. Everlasting would be your misery had he not performed this act of mercy. You would not have come to life again had he not come to die your death. You would have perished had he not come. St. Anthony of Padua, quote, O Father, in your truth, that is to say, in your Son, humbled, needy, and homeless, you have humbled me. He was humbled in the womb of the virgin, needy in the manger of the sheep, and homeless on the wood of the cross. Nothing so humbles the proud sinner as the humility of Jesus Christ's humanity. End quote. So note that in all these words of the saints, there's a focus on mortification and humility, because only if we do that and prepare that way 
can we fully appreciate what was the lowliness and humility of the infinite God when he became flesh in the womb of the Blessed Virgin. So during this Advent, I'd suggest, of course, to reflect on the last things, reflect on whether or not our soul is a suitable place for God's grace to dwell, and to use this time to do penance like we do during Lent so that we can fully appreciate the joy and the glory of Christ's birth into this world. I'd recommend listening to the episodes of this podcast that deal with the last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell, and also the the episodes that are reflections from The Four Last Things by Father von Kochum. I'd also recommend reading uh, Ratzinger, Benedict XVI's series, Jesus of Nazareth, but in particular the third volume, uh, which is Jesus of Nazareth, The Infancy Narratives, provides really wonderful scriptural meditation on the events surrounding Christ's birth in Bethlehem.